0: I'd like for you to go with me to the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Mark, and the 11th chapter. And verse number 1, as we come to Mark chapter 11, we come to the events which mark the final week of the life of Christ before his resurrection. And we find that uh, the gospel of Mark dedicates five chapters to those events including the events uh, of His resurrection. And so we find that one-third of this book is dedicated to one week in the life of Christ. And the events and the teachings that we find recorded here should be of great significance to us because the Holy Spirit preserved them, inspired them, and preserved this record so that we might be acquainted with our Lord in His final week. And what was urgent and important to him, may it be urgent and important to us. Mark chapter number 11 and verse number 1, the Bible says, And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat, loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do, you uh, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door, without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye, loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and cast their garments on him, and he set upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees and strawed them in the way. And they that went before and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple, and when he had looked round about upon all these things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. I want you to notice what the Bible says in verse number 10. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning on this subject. The king is coming. The king is coming. Remember as Mark began his gospel, he introduces his readers to the king, King Jesus. But he's not any king. He is a different king than all of the Roman readers would have ever thought of or had ever heard of. This is not a king who has come uh, to uh, reign over them in the fashion that they had expected because all of their kings had demonstrated cruelty and authority. All of those kings had reigned in their own self-interest. But Mark is introducing them and introducing us to a king who came, not in his own self-interest, but for our sakes, to seek and to save that which was lost. And he is portrayed throughout the gospel, according to Mark, as the king who is a servant, Jesus Christ, the servant of humanity jesus christ who came or who came rather to give his life for us to redeem us to save us from our sin a king who comes not expecting something from his people but a king who comes to give to all those who receive him everlasting life that's the kind of king we have in king jesus And as we find him here in Mark chapter number 11, we find the people as they line the streets as Jesus riding upon the colt of an ass, riding upon this donkey as he comes into the city of Jerusalem. He knows full well that he is headed to the cross. But as he comes, the people who have heard of the miracles, uh, no doubt of Bartimaeus, who has uh, accompanied Jesus, as the Bible tells us, he Followed him there. Uh, he is no doubt exclaiming the glory of God in what the Lord did. And of course, Bethany, just a little bit away from Jerusalem, is the place where Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And so you can imagine. This throng, they're lining the streets as many people now traveling to Jerusalem for the Passover. And so the place is populated many times over by the travelers who have come. And they've all heard about Jesus. And as He comes into the city, they're hearing the the news that it's Him. And they line the streets with palm branches and they are crying out. They are exclaiming, Hosanna which means it is an expression of praise, but it means save us, save us. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. And so we find that the king is coming. The king is coming. Now I want you to note some things this morning as we we look at this passage. First of all, I want you to see the errand, the errand. We see here that the Lord Jesus sent his disciples on an errand. Uh, he, he obviously uh, had in mind, no doubt, the way in which he was going to enter into the city. And he certainly could have chosen any method he wished uh, to enter into the city. But he chose to use his disciples in this errand that they were going to embark upon uh, so that he could then enter into the city. Notice what the Bible says if you look with me in verse number 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as you have entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat, loose him, and bring him. And if any man say unto you, Why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way, and found the colt tied by the door without in a place where two ways met, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, What do ye loosing the colt? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. You see, Here we find that the Lord sends two disciples to go into the village to find the colt, to loose the colt, and to lead the colt back to him where he would then ride upon the colt. And so they embarked upon this journey. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 21 and verse number 2, uh, that the Lord said unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. So we find that the disciples, they go on this journey, they find this donkey, they find her colt, they, they release or loose both of them, and they bring both of them to the Lord Jesus. We find that he rides the colt uh, as he enters into Jerusalem. Now, there's a couple of things about this errand that I want you to take note of. Number one, it demanded obedience. It demanded obedience. Uh, The disciples' understanding that the Lord was entering into Jerusalem, uh, they understood at least to some level what he was telling them was going to happen, that he was going to give himself as a ransom for the souls of men. And so he commissions them and he sends them forth into the village to to find this colt and to bring this colt to him. And so here we find that that command, that Aaron, demanded obedience. It had to be done in the way that the Lord said. You couldn't have gotten an idea that you were going to do it any differently. And by the way, isn't that just like us? When the Lord gives us a command, uh, we oftentimes try to figure out a way that it could be done better or a little differently. It sometimes doesn't seem to make sense to us, but the Lord knows full well what He is doing. And the Lord has sent us, you and I, on, a, on an errand for Him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20, Now then we, that's you and I, are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. We have been commissioned, we have been sent forth, as His representatives, as His servants, as His disciples, we are on an errand for our King. And it requires, it demands obedience. Jesus said in Mark 16 and verse 15, He said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now oftentimes in our minds we try to justify other things that we can do and escape this one command that the Lord has laid upon us. That is that we go and preach the gospel to every creature. And sometimes it's uncomfortable for us to preach the gospel to someone we've never met or someone that we don't know. We, don't, we certainly don't like the reproach that can come to us when we take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ or when we give out a gospel tract. We, 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 we may not certainly understand all the details of his commands, and, and, and it, it, it arises in us a thought of, of discomfort. But God has commanded that we do what he has given us to do. And as a church, it is our business to be about his business because he is a coming king, he is coming again, and he has sent us on an errand for the last 2,000 years to proclaim the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Requires obedience. Now, let me give you a second thing about this errand. It requires faith. Now, I want you to think about these two disciples. I, the Bible doesn't mention their names. I don't I don't find that. So it could have been any of the two, or any of the twelve rather, except for Judas. And so the Lord sends the two to get the colt. Now, it's a very unusual request that he's making. Go into a village, and you'll find a colt tied. Loose him and take him and bring him to me. And if any man says, what are you doing with the colt? Say, the Lord hath need of him. Now, imagine we got the orders, go into into Taylorsville. And there you will find a Ford F-150. Get inside and drive that thing to me. And if anybody should stop you, you say, well, the Lord has need of him." Now, by the way, understand this is just an illustration. If any of you try to do this and get arrested, I am not coming to bail you out. But imagine a command like that or similar to that. Do you know what you know what those disciples had to have thought? The same thing you and I would have thought. I'm going to go in there and take an animal that I don't know. It doesn't belong to me and I don't know who it belongs to and I'm just going to I'm just going to untie it from whatever post it's tied to, and I'm just going to walk just out of the city whistling, hoping nobody sees me. And if somebody does, I'm just going to say, hey, it's okay, the Lord has need of him. Now That would have been a serious crime. That would have been a serious problem. But the Lord gave them the command. You see, it's not up to us to figure out how all of this works. It's up to us to do what he has given us to do. And the thing that paralyzes us, the thing that keeps us from obedience oftentimes is the thought that we have to understand how it's all going to work. The thought that we can somehow escape any any danger or any reproach or or that we won't have to go through any hardship. And the fact that we think that we might and as we try to figure out, well, how is God going to do what he's going to do? How are we going to act and and fulfill his commission if, if it doesn't make financial sense? If it doesn't make operational sense? If we don't have the people to do the task? How is it that we're going to do this? The Lord said, do it. And so they did it. They went into town, and uh, who knows what they were saying to one another, but maybe they were saying, I'm not going to touch it. You do it. You untie it. I'll be, now you go ahead. I'm not going to do it. You do it. And they get into town, and what do they find? They find the donkey and the colt of the donkey. They look at each other. Wow. They shouldn't have because they've already seen him work many miracles. Finally, they work up the courage to let the thing go, to loose it. They grab a hold of the reins. They grab a hold of the rope. They begin to lead those two animals out. And somebody says, hey, wait a minute. Can you imagine the fear that gripped their hearts? Uh-oh. Where are you going with those animals? The Lord has need of him. Oh, Okay. Thanks, guys. You see, there's an errand that the Lord has sent us on. It's up to us to obey. Have we obeyed this week? Do we intend to obey today? Do we intend to give the gospel to a lost soul? Do we we intend to visit our bus route or knock on doors or follow up with our Sunday school classes? Do we intend to give to faith-promised missions, to help missionaries get across the world? Do we intend to glorify God and obey Him? The errand. I want you to see the second thing, and that's the entrance. The entrance. You see, there's no entrance unless there's obedience to the errand. And May God help us to be obedient to the errand. Verse 7, And they brought the cult to Jesus And they cast their garments on him. This is a a symbol here of of gratitude and of praise and of acknowledgement of a a person who is in authority and power. Their garments form a a saddle, if you will, for the Lord to set upon. And then verse 7, he set upon him, and many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strawed them in the way, and they that went before, and they that followed cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Here we see the king's entrance as he rides this colt into Jerusalem. The people have gathered, and they line the streets, and they take the palm branches, which would have been a symbol of the acknowledgement of their hearts that the Messiah was here. Remember what Bartimaeus cried out as we studied that last week. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And I imagine that cry did not cease in his heart or from his lips as he entered into Jerusalem with Jesus And they knew that this was the son of David. This was the Messiah. And here he comes into the city. Now he comes in demonstration of power. He comes in demonstration of power. Now the people didn't know this maybe, but we know the disciples did. That the colt that they brought to Jesus had never been ridden on. This was an animal that had not been broken. This was an animal that was wild at nature. And to set a rider upon his back would have caused a response uh, that would have been great. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to see a rider try to break a horse. I had that opportunity when I was a kid. And it's quite an adventure to watch as that horse with all its power, does everything it can to get the rider off its back. As that horse resists in every possible way, every order, every command, from the bridle to the saddle to the rider, every part of of what is foreign to that animal, it resists. And here we find this animal brought to Jesus completely submits to the authority of the king. He comes in power. He's a powerful king. He comes not only in demonstration of power, but he comes in terms of peace. Jesus came on the donkey bringing peace. You see, the kings of that era came on a horse, and they were kings of war. But Jesus comes into Jerusalem lowly, riding upon the cult of an ass. In meekness and in humility, he is offering the terms of peace. He came not to destroy men's lives. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And may we remember what our mission is. Our mission is not to, uh, to see or to hope or to wish for any man's life to be destroyed, but that all men might come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. And even in a a, a nation that is so culturally and politically divided as is ours, may we remember that those who oppose what we believe in are not our enemies. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but they are a part of the souls of humanity that Christ Jesus gave his life for. And he is not willing that any of them should perish, but that all of them should come to repentance. And it is incumbent upon us to get the message of the gospel, to demonstrate the love of Christ to the sea of souls in a lost humanity. May God help us to be faithful to him. He is offering the terms of peace as he comes, he comes in demonstration of power, he comes to offer peace. He comes according to the prophets. He comes according to the prophets. You see, had they studied their Bibles, had they known the Scriptures, they would have known by his entrance that this is the one that Jacob talked about in Genesis 49. Let me read it to you. In Genesis chapter 49 and verse number 9, he said, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion and as an old lion. Who shall rouse him up? Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be, binding his foal unto the vine and his ass's colt unto the choice vine. He washed his garments in wine and his clothes in the blood of grapes. Here we find that when Jacob was about to depart, and as he was pronouncing the blessing upon his sons, he said of Judah, That the scepter will not depart of Judah, because the Messiah was coming from Judah, and that he was going to ride into Jerusalem on the colt of an ass. We come to Zechariah chapter 9. We find this prophecy foretold again in the book of Zechariah, chapter number 9. In, in, in Zechariah 9, in verse 9, the Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. That's what they said. Hosanna, the king is coming. Here he comes, Zechariah said. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, upon a colt, the foal of an ass, Here is the prophecy given to us twice foretold that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would enter into Jerusalem. He would enter into the place where God's name had been proclaimed, where God had been worshipped. He would enter in among His people riding upon the colt of an ass. John points this out in John chapter 12 and verse number 14. He says, And Jesus, when He had found a young ass set thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. You see, the pieces of the puzzle were coming together. Isn't it always great when the light begins to come on in your mind and in your heart and in your soul? You see, at the time, they didn't really realize what was going on. They didn't understand why is he riding on a donkey? Why are the people lining the streets? What's going to happen here? Maybe he's not going to die. Maybe they're going to make him the king. Maybe everything's going to be just fine. But later, after the risen Savior uh, was glorified in their presence, they remembered that this was written of him. You see, What we find here is that our faith is strengthened as we become accustomed, as we become more knowledgeable, as we become more confronted by the truths of God's Word, as we begin to see how the pieces of the puzzle really fit together. What does it do? It strengthens our faith in the Word of God. This didn't just happen. It was foretold. You see, that's why it's important for you and I not to just be casual bible readers you know picking it up on sunday maybe on wednesday no it 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 requires that you and i learn to get into the bible that we read things that we study things that we're confronted with topics that maybe as we look at them i mean when you read Uh, When you read the blessings of Jacob in Genesis 49, sometimes you read that and you think, well, I don't really understand all that. But when you read Mark chapter number 11, uh, many months later, you begin to see as the dots are connected how that God has superintended all of this. And it strengthens our faith in the Word of God. This entry into Jerusalem was foretold of the prophets, it happened just as God said it would. And that ought to strengthen your faith because I'm going to tell you, not only did the king come once, but the king is coming again. You say, well, how do you know that? I can tell you I know that because the Bible says. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11. If you'd like to turn there, I invite your attention because you're going to find that the king is coming again. But this time, he's not coming on a donkey. He's coming on a white horse. This time, he's not coming to offer peace. This time, he's coming to bring judgment. Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 11. The same John who penned John chapter 12 is the human penman of Revelation chapter 19. And this is what he said. He said in Revelation 19 and verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword; that if, uh, that it, that with it rather he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. Verse sixteen. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. And do you know what that king does when he returns? He takes all the armies of this uh, world that is gathered together against him as they will gather according to the Scripture, and he destroys them to bring judgment, to establish his rule upon the earth. And he will rule upon this earth for a thousand years. You say, Pastor, how do you know that's true? Because the Bible tells me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. And every other thing it tells me is true. And these people in Jerusalem, had they looked back in Genesis, had they looked back in Zechariah, it would have been clear to them that this is the Messiah, the Son of God. And so he came according to power. He came to offer peace. He came according to the prophets, and he came accompanied by praise. Jesus is worthy of our praise. In the book of Revelation, as the scene begins in the heavens, what do we find? We find the host of heaven gathered around the Lord Jesus. And what are they singing? Worthy is the Lamb. They're offering praise unto God. In Luke chapter 19 and verse number 37, we have Luke's record of this entry. This, this entrance into Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 19, beginning in verse number 37, And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works which they had seen. <laughs> oh, can you imagine Bartimaeus in that number, Lazarus in that number, the woman with the issue of blood in that number, The lame man carried a four in that number. Can't you just imagine them all lining the streets, praising God with their palm branches, praising God for the mighty works they'd seen. The the demoniac of Gadara was there. Maybe one fellow said to his wife, watch out, that's that guy. Something different about him. Does anybody know what happened? Oh, yes, I do. You see Jesus coming on that donkey? He delivered that man of the demons. What else can you say but Hosanna to the king? You know, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I'm glad that when we gather together to sing and worship God, we don't just do it in some formal liturgy type way of, of worship. I'm glad that we lift our voices to the Lord. It's okay, to, it's okay to worship God. I, I'm glad that we have somebody leading the music who has uh, a little joy in his heart, aren't you? That's a blessing, isn't it? If that makes you uncomfortable, you're going to be uncomfortable in heaven. We, Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord, our God. He is worthy to be praised. You see, they talked about the mighty works in Luke 19, and verse 37, verse 38, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest I remember when the angels, I wasn't there when the angels came, but I remember reading of the record when the angels came. What did they say? They said, peace on earth and glory to the highest. Now the people are gathering and they're saying, peace in heaven, glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. Boy, it always makes Pharisees uncomfortable when people are worshiping God quiet them down that's not very dignified yes you know where I'm going master rebuked thy disciples and he answered and said to them I tell you that if these should hold their peace the stones would immediately cry out Listen, when Jesus is in the place, there's going to be praise. If it doesn't come out of your mouth, it will come out of a rock's mouth. The stones will cry out, glory to God. May God help us to worship him. And by the way, that doesn't always mean there's a lot of noise. When you find it in Revelation, where are they? They're flat on their faces. There was silence That's the kind of awe and majesty of Jesus. You see the entrance. It was in demonstration of power. It was an offering of peace according to the prophets and accompanied by praise. And we see the last thing. We see the expectation. The expectation. Jesus is coming. He's on the donkey. This is the Messiah, the son of David. The people are crying out, Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father, David. Here's what they were saying. Save us. Save us. But not from our sins. No. Not to redeem our souls. No, save us from Roman oppression. Redeem this place from the hands of Caesar. Give us our freedom and our own sovereignty once again. What were they looking for? They were looking for a political deliverer. That was their expectation. But here's the problem with that expectation. That's not why Jesus came. He did not come to deliver them politically. He did not come to free them from Roman oppression. He came to die for their sins and deliver their souls. You see, they misunderstood his mission. They expected that Jesus would deliver them. They were seeking a national deliverance, but they were not seeking a personal deliverance. And you know, oftentimes Jesus is used in much the same way in modern day America, is he not? Where we cry out for a national deliverance. Where we cry out for the good old days. And we look around and see what's happening in our nation, in our world. And if we're not careful, we'll get a bad attitude about what God is doing. Because we've forgotten what he's doing. He didn't come to save America as a nation. He came to save Americans who were lost in sin. You say, well, what is he doing? What's happening to our country? I'll tell you what's happening. It is getting wicked and wicked and increasingly more wicked. Just as God said it would. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so what do we who know the Lord and know his word, what do we do we do in this hour? I'll tell you what we better do. We had better seek him like we've never sought him before. And we better learn what his mission is and what our errand is. It is not to establish a political power in America. And I'm just as unhappy about what's happening in our country as you are but it is to deliver the message of the gospel. And perhaps had we been more faithful over the last 100 years to proclaim what thus saith the Lord, we would not be in the condition that we are in today. And so may God help us to be faithful. May God help us to be faithful. What is your expectation of Jesus? To get you out of trouble? To get you a good job? To save your marriage? I hope all those things happen. But let me help you understand. Our expectation of Jesus has been fulfilled in this sense. He died to save us from hell. And that is his business that he is still about. And he has sent us on an errand. May God help us to be faithful. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org.